welcome to the performers pod everyone i'm with one of i think like the coolest people making porn right now raquel roper you're making like (laughs) you're making like the coolest lesbian bdsm that thank you so much yeah Uh, that really means a lot to me um just because i don't think that there's enough of it honestly i think it's still one of those things that there's really not a lot of like high quality too that's something that I really strive for as well and actually I'm in the process of filming the reason why I've been like really ramping up is because I'm making a membership site officially and it's definitely geared towards lesbian domination like I'm putting all of my old content on there but as far as like new content like I'm shooting exclusive scenes that you won't be able to see anywhere else for the site so it's really cool that's so cool so we've met in the weirdest places do you remember when we first (laughs) met um I like in face-to-face because we've been talking online for a while like we became mutuals like years ago I feel like Mm -hmm. um and we always have like kept up to date with like what each other is doing and being so supportive of each other's projects (laughs) honestly because you've done some amazing content yourself especially in regards to like lesbian domination and things that you've done Uh, it's amazing um but yeah like (laughs) That, that one time in Tokyo. No, that was oh, so cool. <laughs> we met before that. Didn't we meet at AVN? Did we meet at We AVN? met, the one I'm thinking of is we were on, I was on like some porn set in like LA at some mansion. Oh and I'm like covered God. in cum. Girl, and I'm like. I come, girl, I completely. Oh my God. I literally, like now that you said it, it just went straight yeah. to my head. I know exactly what, that was one of my first times in LA and I remember we had been talking online and it was just like I who else was the other performer that was there that I follow Aspen Aspen yeah, Brooks. Yeah, yeah. it was her too she was on set too yeah so I remember uh yeah and you literally had just done like a super intense scene and we were like hey I'm hey. like covered in comedy you're like when, walking yeah, in I was doing <laughs> Yeah, you're walking in for your next shoot. I'm like, oh, we know each other. I'm like, I'm covered in cum right now. I need to shower, but it's so finally nice to meet you. Oh my God. Yeah, because that was actually my first pro girl-girl scene because that was for Philly Films. And that was a super intense day because it was like outdoors completely because it was right on like, you know, because that house was like really on top of a fucking like hill, mountain, whatever. Yeah, it overlooks so much of like the valley and stuff. Exactly. So like we shot it all outside and it had like a rustic feel to it. Like I never, it's one of those scenes where you've done and like, you know that it went out, but you never saw it. Like I never saw the pretty girls or anything from it. So if anybody knows what scene I'm talking about, I'd really (laughs) like to see it of myself because it was really hot. I know that for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And then we um, met up, I was in Japan doing a screening and you were just like, oh, I'm in Japan. You want to hang out? And then we hung out. (laughs) no that was so cool because yeah um we were following each other on twitter and i saw that Mm -hmm. we were in the same place and yeah but you failed to mention that your screening was like in an underground old school traditional like shibari bdsm club which was so sick and i remember (laughs) that bartender was this old man dressed in a business suit do you remember like like super like classy and he ran the bar but he was also the shibari master too yeah yeah he tied me up yeah so sick um 
And uh, yeah, that night was awesome. I thought it was really cool because it was just, it really showed like in the culture, like there were so many people there that literally, you would have thought that this was an average bar. Like literally like people are just like chilling and it was like, oh, you can participate in things. But like, I honestly have never felt so comfortable in a space before because it was very much just like, you know, I really dug the the vibe for sure. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of happened. Um... My friend, uh, Mistress Katie Kanako, um, they were one of the bartenders and they now like make all this like awesome BDSM porn that Trouble Films is releasing from Japan now. Wow, that yeah. is so amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. Cause I remember I followed her on Twitter and I've kept up to date with her too. And actually um, a while ago when I planned my last, cause I was supposed to go to Japan, I think like a year ago, we actually had like exchange contact information and I was going to oh, like really? meet up with her there. Yeah. Because I had, so like, cool. you know, cause like that, that night literally, um, there, I can count on like one hand, how many times I've been topped by women. And I definitely like, she, <laughs> she rocked my shit last night. And it was so great. <laughs> yeah. I, when we when we were walk- walking back to um, her apartment, we were like, wow, that just really happened. We did not <laughs> expect that to happen at all. I remember she just literally covered me in clothespins, beat mm-hmm. them off my body, and then covered me in wax. And it was great. It was wonderful. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> but it was one of those things that I've like, because especially I'm sure you can like see in my, uh, in my work, like I'm very, I pretty much always like, I always top women like that's what I've yeah. come to find like in my sexuality like that's where I stand uh because for a while especially in my career I've literally shot everything like yeah everything um and it's funny because I've actually talked about this in like interviews a part of the reason why I was shooting everything is because I've always been a lifestylist I've been a lifestylist mm-hmm. since I was 18 years old And a part of the reason why I was shooting absolutely everything is because the person that I was dating at the time was my, I was in a high protocol um, DS dynamic where he was my sub and I Mm -hmm. was his mistress and he was only comfortable with me doing stuff on camera that did not reflect our sex life whatsoever, basically. So (laughs) so like, didn't want me to do pegging, anything like that. So like, it, it's funny because what I would do is I would go on set and do all this crazy shit and then I would take it home and I would like implement it in my sex life and then like I left that relationship and then just kind of really like solidified myself in my career like where I am in my sexuality uh but yeah I literally can count on like one I think the only there is literally like only three women I've ever let taught me and the other one is like goddess tangent I let her oh yeah me. and like <laughs> <laughs> in, I can see that <laughs> but it's like not on camera like in our personal lives like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah not on camera but like off camera basically <laughs> so but, like yeah so like how did you get into porn like I know we both come from like kind of the same metalcore scene of like for sure you, you also played bass right yes I did yeah, I did play bass for several several years um so I started getting into porn because like I said, I was a lifestylist. So I was on FetLife and I made a FetLife profile just for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. And then I had a producer contact me who was a tickle. I had a tickle producer and a bondage producer contact me. 
And they were like, you are so attractive. Do you want to like make money? And at the time I was in cosmetology school and I was also working at McDonald's. So were you in Miami or Tampa? No, I was in Tampa. I'm born and raised in Tampa. So that's like where I got started and where Mm -hmm. I've kind of like remained in things. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. So so yeah, Tampa, I tell people all the time like Tampa is literally the fetish capital in my opinion of like the United States basically there's so many fetish producers here now maybe like Vegas has kind of like taken a little bit of our power but but, like Tampa and like you know Miami Florida like there's so much fetish in Florida um so yeah I got offered to get tickled for a hundred dollars an hour and for somebody that was working at McDonald's for like seven dollars an hour I was like what that's real money then yeah Um, so then like I did like a shoot but actually now that I'm thinking about it I also like when I was like 19 on collar me and collar space I had a girl oh my my god I had that I forgot about that (laughs) yes but you used to be able to use it for like work stuff so um I had a girl in my cosmetology class who was like I go on this website and I do Skype shows with men and I humiliate them and I do role plays with them and I flick them off and they pay me for it. And I was just like, <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, sign me up. So we started doing that. And then I kind of got on FetLife and like explored and shit like that. So technically I've been doing sex work since I was like 19 and I'm almost 30. Wow. Yeah. About the same yeah. year. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah about, yeah. Um, so like what stuff inspired you to get into the industry? Was it just kind of, um, being in the lifestyle already, or did you see people making stuff that you're like, that's really cool. I want to make something like that. Um, I guess it also just like, I come from a history of sex workers. Like my grandmother who's in her late seventies opened up one of the first sex boutiques in Tampa, like ever. She used to have like this vintage lingerie but there was like this back corner where she would sell sex toys and this was like literally like in the 70s like when it was still very like taboo and she would have like like old school kind of like porn that in tar we're like what this isn't even pornography (laughs) you know um and then from there my mom was uh a penthouse model a hustler model and she was on the playboy 360 channel in the 80s wow so yeah and then from there she became a dancer so I literally like I grew up and then when my mom my mom left the industry when uh I was born but Mm -hmm. then she became the marketing director for the dollhouse here in uh Tampa and she used to book all the featured dancers so growing up um, I don't like to say that, like, I was like, just exposed to things, but I what I just my mom's mentality about sex work is like, she was very open with me, not like, mm-hmm. you know, showing me things, but Definitely. just like, once I got to an age, like being open about the dialogue and things like that. So uh, I kind of always liked the idea of it, because my mom was always her own boss. And just, uh, yeah, I just really dug it. So And I kind of, like, always have just been into, like, adult stuff because I come from, like, an anime background, so I I was watching, like, curvy (laughs) BDSM shit, like, for a while. (laughs) Like, I tell people all the time, my, the reason why uh, strap-on literally is my biggest thing, whether it's with women, men, it's my biggest thing, and Mm -hmm. that's definitely from my exposure to, like, Yuri and Yaoi and like the whole like <laughs> uke semi bottom topping kind of like vibe 
And actually, I t- I've talked about it on Twitter. Um, growing up, I actually experienced a lot of like body dysmorphia because I was very confused. Like I didn't know at this time that like strap-ons existed. Like I had no idea that you could be like a girl, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was very like, I, because of the pornography I was consuming, like was so, or like the fan fiction was so like about, oh, uh, men and penetration and stuff like that. It like, I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I want to talk basically was the whole thing. So I couldn't understand. And then when I finally came across like female domination and that kind of stuff, it was like this thing woke up and I was like, wow. And then I got into like Futinari and shit. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) That's so amazing. It's so cool that you're like from a line of sex work that yeah. it makes sense it's just like when you see like something like during the olympics where it's like oh yeah this person's dad <laughs> did running this person's grandma did running like if it's around you you're more likely to you know get into it and yeah. have better experiences in it yeah it's kind of crazy like honestly my mom supports me so much but if i'm going to be completely honest in the beginning it was difficult because my mom comes from a day and age of sex work where it's very hard to find her material like it's like archived because this was all like Mm -hmm. physical copies before the internet so her main thing that when I started was that like uh she was just like uh you know this doesn't go away like in your day and age like it's up there I Mm -hmm. hope that you don't want to do anything else because like this is it and in for the first couple years she still wanted me to like do cosmetology and makeup but now she's just like my mom is literally my biggest fan my biggest Aww. supporter she it's it's so funny uh one of my favorite memories is like we were in a store and we were shopping and I never wear socks ever I never wear socks I just always just bare feet <laughs> so I had a pair of socks on and my we're walking through the store and my mom goes looks down at my feet she looks up at me she goes are those for business or for pleasure because she knew that like I she saw knows. what was the answer to it I was like business mother and and she actually got we had like a little tip because um for Christmas she bought me a pair of vans and like the other day I told her she's like where are your vans I was like oh I sold those she's like are you fucking kidding me I bought those for you for Christmas and I was like mom though but I made like a lot more than you paid and she was like so where's my percentage I at least want my money back for your sneakers if you sold them for more oh my god that's so cool that you have that experience Oh, for sure. For sure. And actually, like, we just told my grandma finally, like, what I do. And now my grandma, who is literally in her 70s, like, is again, full on, like, they're just, I'm very, very lucky and blessed to have, like, powerful women in my life that Mm -hmm. have very much because, like, I don't really, I've never have had, like, male figures or anything. Like, the women in my life really are my only family. So just to have, like, my only family support me is, like, I'm very thankful. And I never take that for granted. Yeah, it's something that so many sex workers just don't have. And having your family Uh, back you in all of it is just such a great thing. For sure. For sure. Especially, yeah, because like I can just talk to my mom and especially because my mom marketed sex work. So she comes up with ideas sometimes and she'll literally call me and be like, have you thought of this? 
like that. And I'm like, yes, yes, mom, I actually already do that. Or she'll be like, wait, this is a great idea for a scene. Like you should like have the plot be like this. And I'm like, thanks, mom. But like, so your mom's pitching you porn ideas. Yeah, literally. She's trying to micromanage like my fucking my porn scenarios. Oh wow. So yeah, you have like a momager in porn. like it's not she's like she's like I follow you on Instagram but I won't dare look at your Twitter because there's just a lot of shit I don't need to see on there (laughs) that's so funny yeah yeah so what were your first few shoots like what did you start doing because were you when you started were you in that relationship where you're like hey I'm not gonna do stuff that I do in my relationship on camera or was that later on Actually, that was later on. So my relationship when I started doing porn uh, was with somebody that I was with for like five years before. I It was completely vanilla, but it was like I dated this person when I was a teenager. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you start growing and you start learning about yourself and realizing that things that when you were younger, you know, your fetishes, your identity... And so I started doing porn while we were still together and it just transitioned into like, it literally was a situation of like, I turned 19 or 20. I realized how much money I could potentially make if I seriously pursued it. So Mm -hmm. I told this person like, I'm quitting. I'm going all the fuck in. I want to see it all. I want to figure it all out. And I also wanted to explore my sexuality. So we broke up and I just kind of just full fledged went into literally doing absolutely everything so my first stuff was all bondage tickling and then it quickly turned into like me shooting pro scenes for a little bit because I was signed with an agency and I did like vanilla porn and that was a great experience and I don't regret it but like it was just so fucking boring for me honestly because I'm yeah, not your heart's not that, into like, it no exactly and it just wasn't like the kind of content that I wanted and like atmosphere like I'm not trying to like talk shit about like mainstream LA because it's a great for a lot of people that's fine there's there's enough LA people on this podcast (laughs) you can talk shit about any city you want I'm not trying to talk (laughs) shit because like you know all I'm saying is sex work is so diverse that like what works for some people just isn't what mm-hmm. works for some people love LA. They it's great for them. It works for them, but it just wasn't for me. Just like how these same LA people are probably like, Oh, she's from Tampa. She does sex work in Florida. Oh my God. That fucking <laughs> trash can state. Oh, but like, honestly, I mean, I have, here. I have not been to Florida very on purpose lately, but <laughs> well that's a whole different okay um but yeah so it just wasn't really the vibe it just wasn't what I wanted to do and also like I was learning more about myself and my work started reflecting that more and also I was just like tired of making other people money because when I was doing when I was doing porn, it was still very much like producer, like there was no OnlyFans. There was not a lot of people self-producing content. There wasn't, there was, there was options. There's always been clip stores or whatever, but it was very much like, oh God. I mean, I started doing, like I said, I'm, I started in sex work 1920 and I am, I'm almost going to be 29. So this is nine years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's about the same time I started. Yeah, because yeah, I, so I was the, like 1920 and I'm turning 30 yes. like in a few weeks. Yeah. So like there just wasn't as many options for performers to kind of mm-hmm. like take control and 
you know, be their own boss, so to speak. There was just so much, very much relying on producers and the money that you got from that. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really weird time because at that same time, like the pay rate was going down. It was down, so far down. Down, like bad. And I was just like, huh. So I started kind of immediately, like I've had Eclipse for sale and a many vids and all these other clip stores since I basically started um, but I only started seriously producing after I quit basically shooting mainstream. So ever since then, I'm pretty much entirely retired from shooting for other people and only do like content trade and my own shoots, basically. I think that's definitely the best way. It's just like so many other people's shoots are just so much like emotional energy and just like people simply not having their stuff together. Yeah, exactly. And that and just like... I don't like the idea of making other people tons of money when like mm-hmm. it's my face, it's my image, it's my, you know, and everything. like no royalties, no, it, like in my case. So I was like, mm, I just kind of rather distribute it myself and do all the work. <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, you can relate to that entirely. Definitely. Because I mean, with you and your stuff and you like literally as long as like I have known you and seen you, you've always kind of done your own thing too, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same. It's just like really early when we both got into this industry, like the first few years, it was still so much based on like, oh, if I can get three gigs, that's rent, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just not that way anymore. Mm-mm. Because those sites just start paying less and less and less. And it's just yeah. like, but um, so I first knew you because you were like doing both like subbing and doming. Mm-hmm. And then like, it seemed like you made a very intentional choice just to be like, I'm just gonna start doming. Like what yeah. happened that made you do that? Um, literally just because like, like I said, I've been doing sex work since I was 19. So from 19 to 29, like that is huge years of like sexual development, like learning yourself through your own experiences. So it was really just like a reflection of like me and the choices that I wanted to have for myself and really like what I felt comfortable pursuing. Because for a long time, when I first started, it was like, oh, you look so young and you're so tiny. So like, even though you have tattoos, let's still like push this girl next door image. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I've never been the fucking girl next door. (laughs) I was the alternative weird fucking goth girl. Okay. So yeah, of course. Right. um, um, So yeah, just like wanting to really produce content that I was actually really into because I like look back at some of my vanilla scenes and I'm like, damn girl, you're a damn good actress because that is not how you were feeling at all about that. (laughs) Yeah, I I can definitely relate to some of that. There's some porn I have where they Photoshop out my tattoos and stuff like on the box covers and like I take piercings out and just like all that stuff where it's just such a different experience that they kind of start like okay you're a young pretty girl either because like you can't do that on video like the video you see so different yeah the cover no tattoos this yeah the actual scene I have all my tattoos so (laughs) yeah so yeah I'm honestly it is really cool like um despite the craziness that is online sex work right now I think it is really cool because like we both come from a background where we really didn't always have all these avenues where we could put ourselves out there and now we're in a position where we can which is really cool um 
so yeah, I'm thankful. It's like one of those situations where like we've come a really, really long way, but there's still so much work to be done. But like, I don't think that we should like negate from like the progress that has been made because it's mm-hmm. like, it took a long time to get there for a lot of different reasons in porn. So, uh, but there's still work to be done. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I think there was just so much gatekeeping before when we both got into the industry where it oh, was still sure. so much like you have to win this company over, you have to win this casting director over. And now it's for just sure. like, yeah. I still think there's people like that in this industry really more, maybe agents in no. LA porn. But... Yeah. Because it's like, I think we finally realized that we kind of like took the power away from the companies in a way where we really sat back and we were like, no, it's us. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. us that sells this material. It's us. We just need to sit down, get our shit together and figure out like how to market like they do, how to sell ourselves like we do. And then we get all the money and it goes to us. So yeah, it's. (laughs) <laughs> so great honestly like just only fan I mean not only fans um mini vids existing just like I think yeah. changed so much because it's an accessible thing to put it up on where for it's sure. not this thing that's so I mean clips for sale is pretty complex when you first log in see everybody says that but like I don't I guess because I've been on the platform for literally I like guess so, eight or yeah. nine years like it's just it hasn't fucking changed like literally <laughs> in like the eight or nine years still the it, same it looks out. like it has not changed like, <laughs> the admin is very outdated I like mm, but a part of me is like I guess I'm like a like a boomer in that regard I'm like please don't take it I'm gonna have to learn something now <laughs> um but yeah no um just because for me like I have the money vids and it yeah it makes me money but like clips for sale is like I guess for me I'm just I have so many different things because I just don't want to put all my eggs in one basket I've never Mm -hmm. been that way I will never like pledge allegiance to one of them because I'm like you can't any one of you could stab me in the fucking back at any moment moment, it's I mean it's like payment apps if you have venmo anyone who ever keeps any amount of a balance there i'm just like don't do that oh you can't trust it yeah i'm the queen of telling everybody like cash out i don't care every single five dollars you get it out (laughs) (laughs) yeah my partner who's not has nothing to do with sex work they had like i think it was like 600 i'm like don't do that never i'm like no just come out they might I'm you, like, don't you ever might trust use the them. wrong emoji one day you never know like please yeah. get it out yeah no that's why honestly part of the reason too why i've finally geared toward a membership site is because like i'm gonna be able to feel a little bit more secure mm-hmm. because it's like you know using um yeah, just do using different resources and having different payment processor options. And also like, I'm really just interested to see like with cryptocurrency and what happens with that. Like, um, I wouldn't, I don't know. It's just so like the future is so up in the air right now. I feel very, it's just a weird time. It just kind of like, am I going to have a job in six months? Am I not going to have a job in a year? Like, what's I think you happen? will. I think it's just going to be different. <laughs> Yeah, no matter oh, no, what totally. it is. Yeah. Oh, I know. Like, I made a, a point on that on my Twitter as I was like, you know, the one thing that they can never take away is like the demand. Like, there mm-hmm. people are always going to want it. It's just like keeping 
in with your customers and you know your clients like keeping that stream of connection and like not relying just on your twitter not just on your instagram like we got to kick it old school with like email listings and shit like that like we really need to use as many possible resources so no you're absolutely right i think i will always have a job it's just like adapting to different you know i might have to adapt to like a more like outdated my mom was like bitch Mm -hmm. i used to put that shit on vhs and send it in the mail because I don't even want to hear it about you. That's so weird. It's just, just such like, a whole different era. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I interviewed um, my last interview with, with a performer in their 60s and just like, yeah, porn's just such a different thing. These are like, oh yeah, like my husband and I would go to the video rental store and rent a porn. And I'm That's just like, crazy. in my head, I'm like, wait. That's I not, know like- you had to at the time, but I can't <laughs> imagine just not like, oh, I'm going to pull up porn. Yeah, no, exactly. But yeah, so it is, it's, I'm, I'm getting hopeful. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the OnlyFans news today, um, we, sh- this uh, interview is on the 25th of August. So it's when OnlyFans just went back and they're like, oh, we're not kicking everyone off. I, I think it's because like, you know, literally MasterCard came out and they were like, we don't know what the hell they're talking about, why they're trying to throw us under the bus because like, we didn't like, just a strong arm them or anything because that's what they tried to say Mm -hmm. in their original statement um but the thing is is like I'm not trying to dive deep but like I was around when OnlyFans first like so I know like the sketchy means of how that platform just came to be in general like it's a concept that was stolen from another sex worker of course it it was (laughs) of course it was so like it's not like you know I have never like I am so thankful that it really has given all different types of Mm -hmm. sex workers like an online presence but I have never invested myself 100% in it because I don't trust it I've never have but I'm gonna I'm not an idiot I'm a businesswoman so I'm gonna ride the trend I'm gonna ride the wave but now that they've kind of like are it's basically like they're like "Eh, eh, eh," you know I'm just gonna put my content like I'm still gonna use it but I'm gonna put it everywhere like now I'm gonna use the multiple because there's a bunch of platforms right now there's a lot that I'm not gonna use and there's some I'm gonna take advantage of as the traffic you know but that's why also I said on Twitter like my advice to people is like take this as a wake-up call just to Mm -hmm. do like sex work there's so many different ways to make income like you need to explore these now like diversify your portfolio think about using clip sites that like sit down and have like an admin day and just like really like spread yourself out because Mm -hmm. what do you have to lose other than gaining more clients gaining more customers and making more money so I mean yeah I think no matter what you're doing in sex work whether it's camming or posting scenes or films be on as many platforms as possible because you just never know you just never exactly. know what's going to happen. Because I've seen so many, like, I've seen Kink Bomb go down. And I've seen, like, I don't even remember what it was. Like, the OnlyFans <laughs> before OnlyFans. And then, like, you I know. I mean, Tumblr I'm- was the big one for me. I had so many followers on Tumblr. And, like, the queer porn community was so big there. It and now was- it's just gone. The queer, co- uh, and also, like, just, like, queer for BDSM. Like, yeah, all tons. that stuff was very, like... I had like a Tumblr following for my, like while I was doing vanilla scenes, I was being like my kinky self on like Tumblr. And I literally have fans messaging me being like, I remember you from Tumblr. This is crazy. Like, but now I can find it here, you know? So, 
But I think that like a lot of Tumblr, I think we've kind of completely like migrated that over to Twitter at this point in the stage. But now it's like, I don't like Twitter is just like every day I'm like, I log on. I'm like, oh, wow, my account isn't suspended. It's going to be a good day. Like, because you don't know. Yeah, I'm like very shadow banned where I've been at 20,000 followers for four years now. I have had literally 30,000, like, I've been at that for for years, like yeah, four it's years. It's wild. Now. Yeah, um, it and, used and to grow so much before. Yes, and it's crazy because, like, you also see, like, you know, the the how your engagement is affected by the shadow ban because mm-hmm. it's like, if one of my posts gets like two hundred likes, I'm like, oh my god, and I yeah, have it's 35, viral. <laughs> I have thirty five thousand followers. Like that, it's that's a small percentage wise. Yeah. Like that's nothing. That's so, um, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. You just kind of keep trucking along, but I'm just going to ride the wave for as long as I can. Definitely. So when you pivoted to like shooting mostly like Lesdam content, is that just like what's inside of you? And like, is that the porn you also watch or is that just like um, everything for you? If I'm going to be completely honest with you, I literally do not consume pornography at all anymore. Really? At all. I don't like I'm so like I read a lot of fan fiction I read a lot mm. of fan fiction so yes I read a lot like um you know and I like I'm queer like all over the spectrum like I'm very much like I'm into a lot of things so I read a lot um but yeah I don't like if I watch porn it's like super amateur grainy like shot with your cell phone like just <laughs> really I can't watch like beautiful like my I like the type of quality like I produce or like studio I cannot watch it because it be like I know what goes on behind the scenes and I'm thinking in like a technical mindset or like I'll be like is that a freaking light stand in the corner like what is this like I think of it, like I start picking it apart like I've that probably how like filmmakers film feel like watching yeah. movies our musicians feel like listening to music they listen to music differently when you're a musician it's like the same concept basically um so yeah but my lesbian domination content definitely is just like it's just what I feel like is inside of me and it's also what I enjoy like just making for me like I you know like I've done a lot of things like I've topped a lot of men in my life and like domed Mm -hmm. a lot of men and like that's still something that I'm into but just like there's just something about like um lesbian domination that just like it's a lot more I don't know, like the, the connection on camera mm-hmm. and just, it gets more so much passionate in my opinion. And just like really also just creating a real, nothing feels better for me than creating that safe space for another woman to express herself in that way. Like making her feel like, you know, uh, you know, I'm telling her, like things that men should do, but they, they slap. Yeah, them, you of know? course like, they don't. <laughs> you know, like making, checking in, making sure that she's okay. And like creating this safe space where like, you know, once the cameras are rolling, like we're done. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to pursue you, you know, nothing like for that. Real, like, this yeah. is a very pers- professional, like we just had this awesome scene and it was good for you. Good for me. But like, now we get to go home and do our thing and just, yeah, I just really like creating safe spaces because I have a lot of girls around here that I just love working with because of that. And, uh, yeah, like I just worked with Maria Jade today is a performer that I've done a lot of my lesbian domination scenes with in the past. And we just always just, we have a great time because she loves it. I love it. And I only shoot, honestly, I only do scenes with other queer, 
performers. Like I am very like, I'm not really into like the straight for pay kind of thing. Like it really does show on camera. And it also makes me uncomfortable because I'm like, I feel like this is almost in a way a little unconsensual because you're not really into women. So you're putting yourself in a situation that normally you wouldn't want to be in. So like, it makes me feel a little like, you know I can definitely feel that yeah I yeah like lesbian BDSM hits so many levels for me yeah it's very hard to watch because I know most of the people in the stuff in North America and in Western Europe but the Eastern European lesbian BDSM my favorite now I know <laughs> none of the people but like That's I find awesome. it so cool knowing the other side of it though that it's like it's just two girls being like hey I have this really crazy idea and I want you to fuck me up for like 30 minutes that's literally what it is like and it's it's amazing (laughs) like it's the gayest thing like on so many levels like that's so gay and that's what I love so much about it yeah and it's so crazy because literally every girl that I've ever shot with my lesbian domination scenes are so much more intense because like they really like want it and like they are very it's so funny because I make jokes I'm like sometimes I just feel like a service top because they're just like (laughs) put your boot on my head and I'm like all right go off okay like literally uh, one of my most recent scenes uh my friend Reagan Lush we we make awesome content together Mm -hmm. because she just really loves it and she was like before the scene like I had no plans on doing this she asked me she's like is there any way that you can try to put your boot on my head like please can you and I was just like I don't even know if my legs will stretch I'm thinking like the logistics I'm like is my cock gonna fall out like how do I angle this correctly and like wait but it happened and I was so glad that we did because it was like really really intense. I've literally had the same conversation on set before I'm like can you fuck me and step on my head at the same time today like it was like today it was funny because like we uh like I could tell like my perform like my scene partner was like really getting into it and like we have like gone over like consent stuff like way back in the day but we hadn't shot like together in a while long time so I was like okay kind of like reeled it in a little bit but like she was just like kind of like giving me the eyes like come on come on like get, get like and I was like okay and then it like my hand slowly just like on her head and I'm just like putting my full body weight on like yeah it's really awesome uh because I I don't know it is really cool basically uh there's just nothing more rewarding than being like getting off camera and and, like the girls are like god I haven't been digged down like that in so long and I'm just like yeah (laughs) yeah that's like the thing I think I mean obviously like lesbian media sense my sexuality and all that stuff but like I think just pure performance like you see that moment because like with BDSM scenes it gets real at one point in the Uh scene no matter how much you're both like oh we're friends this is a work thing at some moment it it gets real like you see that moment and I don't think you really see that moment as much in like mainstream porn because you're Mm -hmm. not pushing yourself to that level uh uh-uh. no uh definitely I like honestly like I shot like one of the most intense lesbian domination scenes I've ever shot like the other like a couple of days ago because it involved a performer that really was adamant of like I want you to beat 
the shit out of my breasts, like beat my breasts. Yeah. But like, she was very much into like, you know, and just, you know, like, I want you to like, like give me strikes. And then just like, I'm just going to get face fucked. And I was just like, all right, like game on. And it was very like, it was cool. Like being able to like be with somebody like that was like that. Um, And it doesn't always have to be like that. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be, but like, like, when it gets there, you're just like, all right, we are here. <laughs> I want to talk to you about this about this because there's not that many people who like mostly shoot lesbian BDSM. There's like mm-hmm. a handful of people. So I'm like, you're one of the few people I can talk to about this who will really get it, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm mostly definitely like now, like going forward, I mostly am gonna be shooting lesbian uh, BDSM just because also, like I said, like I want more of it and I want more like high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's also just like, it's about like finding your niche and like there's not, I, I can think of maybe one other person in my area that shoots like lesbian domination. So like, again, like, shooting lesbian domination scenes that are also on like the so I guess I should reel it back because there's people that shoot lesbian domination but it's this is not a competition but it's very like soft core lesbian domination like it's very like you know and you can kind of almost tell that it's very or like you can see it's like kind of watered down and you know and that and Mm -hmm. that's totally fine that's the thing yeah there's all different kinds of everything but I want to see like hardcore like it, the running because one yeah, of my biggest yeah. <laughs> things is like running makeup like all that stuff like I want to see that like I want to see a kink intersex level of like BDSM but yeah. like on you know and also in, in like an amateur way where like clip stores and things of that nature where you can produce that kind of content yeah I feel like I um when I first moved out to the bay I was working for kink but I feel like with their stuff, it was so much like very much still a scene and it's still very much like a lot of straight for pay and stuff like that, that I think it's so cool that people are now like queer people are reclaiming this and doing all these same hardcore yeah. scenes and it's now accessible where you can shoot it on your own and you don't have to have this huge team or a giant fucking castle full of gear to shoot. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I really, I, it was just like, it was really cool. Like as a kinky person, like it was like my goal to shoot for kink and I did shoot for kink. And it was funny. Cause like I bottomed for kink. I did like the training of O, which was probably mm. one of the mo- uh, like more intense scenes that I've done, but like definitely the most intense like scenes that I did was was like for intersect like that was a little bit like level up as far as like the bondage went and everything so it was a great experience for sure but it still was like because I'm not gonna lie I'm like don't mean to expose but like my scene partner was a vanilla porn performer like had never really done BDS yeah. and this is the like the dom in the scene you know what I'm yeah. saying whereas like intersect was really cool because it was lifestylists yeah they're all actual lifestyle people London they've actually come up on this podcast a lot yeah that's awesome so it was like actual lifestylists so that was a completely different experience because you were also like getting like kink was very good about like you know limits and whatever but I really mm-hmm. liked about intersex that it was literally on a fucking whiteboard it was huge it was on a whiteboard like you literally wrote your limits what was okay so that like they literally had something in their face at all times that was like you can't do this to her yep. she's okay with this so like just really that shooting for that company was awesome because it was also for me like learning about myself and like what like 
pushing myself. And mm-hmm. also I really am into heavy bondage now as a top and just learning about like really pushing a bottom. Like for me, I'm, I'm kind of like old guard in the way that like, I think it's super important as a dom to learn what it's like to be a submissive, to know totally. that mindset to like, I can honestly say now at this point in my life, I everything that I do to other people, I have been put through myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important because it makes me more knowledgeable. I pick up on like physical signs and like emotional cues and things of that nature. So. Yeah, that's so cool. I feel like, yeah, most of my experiences with kink, it was definitely like more of kind of a little bit more watered down. Yeah. Where I feel like with companies like Intersex or when you're working with lifestyle people, it's just the real stuff and you get all the for sure fun, hardcore things that you might not get elsewhere because you're working with people that are doing it safely. Yeah, for sure. So um definitely. So like I love now, like kind of like obviously on a much smaller scale, um, being able to like create that same kind of environment mm-hmm. for the people that are in like my area. And uh, yeah, I'm really lucky. I get to work with a lot of awesome, awesome women. And I have a whole talent pool of producers here. And it is really cool. And it's my hometown. And I've definitely thought about like branching out. For a long time, I thought I was going to move to Vegas, uh, just as like the industry started like growing more over Mm -hmm. there. But like, I just love Honestly, I love Tampa where I'm from. My whole, my family, my mom's here. My grandma's here. And like, I'm comfortable here. I have all my friends and like, I've been able to successfully run my business here for a long time. So I'm just like, well, why leave? Because, you know, um, Vegas has its perks and so does, you know, my little neck of the woods. So. Yeah. I think it's just like, so important to remember that there's so many people making porn in all over places Mm -hmm. that it's not just LA and Vegas, which I feel like so many people think that, where they're like, oh, you're in porn, you live in LA or you live in Vegas and that's how you make porn. And honestly, I really don't understand why we get such a bad rap. Like, I don't like, okay. So like Miami, maybe, but I'm not from Miami. I don't live in Miami. I'm not like, (laughs) I think that also that's the thing too, is people forget about Tampa and St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. When they think of porn, they think of Miami and there's a, there's some great companies out there, but there is also just some amazing, like people in Tampa and St. Petersburg that you can work with. And we also have like lifestylist events and we have lifestylist dungeons in Tampa. Like we have our own little kinky community here that like full on exists. We have fetish parties. We do all that stuff. Um, So yeah, it is very like, I think it's underrated. And also because it, there is so many people to work with here that it is easy to run your business here because there's so many people and we have new girls every single day that are just like I literally can't tell you how many wow I've gone to like a wing house and a hooters and you know you have a few (laughs) drinks and they're like oh so what do you do and I tell them and they're like wait what can I can I shoot for you like I'm serious and these girls some of these girls like I like some of these (laughs) one literally a girl that me and one of my producers that I work with, we found her in a wing house and she was a fucking vixen contract girl like a year later. Okay. Like, what? It, wow. Yes, literally. And she That's and we wild. found her in a wing house and she started shooting fetish and then went to AVN, got picked up by an agency. And then, yeah, like for real. Yeah. You, you never know who it's going to be. It's so you wild when you see that stuff in porn. Because it happens so fast. Like, yeah, both- I mean, yeah. Uh, 
I've yeah, had, we've been in I've, this industry for a decade. It feels like 50 years. Yeah. And it like is, you've seen it, everything. It, yeah, it is. It is pretty cool to be able to say that too. And also it really, I love being in a position now where like a lot, there's a lot of performers specifically in my area that are just like getting started. And it's really awesome being able to be that person that like, mm-hmm. I have a lot of performers that now come to me and are like, Hey, like, can I ask you questions about this? Or like, is this person safe or this? And I have like this much experience that I can be like, okay, I'm not trying to tell you what to do or how you run your business, but I just want you to avoid from getting in situations that I got into that I would have liked to have this advice, you know, <laughs> like kind of like being a guide and mentor for a lot of girls. Like my best friend, uh, we became best friends because I actually started mentoring her. Like she came, she was a, she was a stripper. And then she came to me and she was like, I want to do this instead. And like, started mentoring her, taught her everything I knew, started doing her scenes for her. Like, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. Mm -hmm. And we became best friends. So it's just really awesome. Like, because I literally came from nothing. I came from a family that didn't have a lot of money and now I can financially support myself. So giving women the tools to have the same things that I've been able to build for myself is so fucking awesome. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't realize how many for how many people it's a ticket out of poverty. It's a ticket out of totally. you know, just unstable situations totally. and like how important that really is. I feel like that's yeah. just not highlighted enough when people talk and about especially, porn. And especially like a lot of girls, at least that I have been um, kind of like that are new in this area are, are all like women that have just gotten out of college and they have tons of student loan debt Mm -hmm. and like they want to still pursue like they're you know but they're just like how am I gonna like what in the heck am I gonna do with all this so I'm like hey well um (laughs) if you're serious if you're serious because it's a full-time job but like I have a friend that like you know just finished her master's degree and she's just taking a break for a year before she goes out into the world to like just stack up while she can um with doing fetish because like the thing is is like for her she's like she's gonna be able to do this prestigious job because like all she does is like show her little feet and she wrestles dudes like some what somebody's gonna see that and be like okay so she's in bikini wrestling and those are her souls awesome we're gonna still hire her to be I'm like I'm like that's so basic in Florida I'm assuming I'm assuming that's just base level in Florida like that like that's what's awesome too in Florida is like there's so many different content creators there is literally women here that have been able to build like little empires just off their feet just like we have different like fetish fetish performers we've got girls that are just wrestlers we have girls that are doing foot fetish we have girls that like I definitely am on the more scale of like I kind of shoot like what I view as like porn mm-hmm. porn well it, I mean it's all porn everybody's drinking yeah. off to it but like mine's a little <laughs> bit mine's on the more extreme end of the yeah you, yours definitely is yeah yeah I, so, I wouldn't yeah. be relating to your porn if it wasn't I wouldn't be like <laughs> we know what we're doing yeah so like, um, but it is awesome that there's just so many of these avenues. Like, I think is great. I think it's sick. So. Yeah, that's such a cool little porn scene there. I had no idea, honestly. Yeah. Like all I know about Tampa is I know that there was a huge death metal scene in the 90s. Yes. Huge. And then and, I know it's like and the, the stripping 2000s. capital. In the 2000s, early 2000s, when the, like with the scene being phased, we had like the like hardcore. What bands are from Tampa? 
So like, I wouldn't even say that they were like, okay, so we had the skate park of Tampa, which mm -hmm. literally was the main metal core venue. Like when I was 15 or that's what we did every weekend was go to For the skate sure, park yeah. of Tampa and see shows. The same going to shows. Yeah. Yeah. It was like local bands. It was a great opportunity for local musicians to put on. Like we, we got like touring event. Like, I mean, like this was like really hardcore. Like one of my favorite hardcore bands is Ceremony who are from California. Oh yeah, totally. Like, yeah. One of my favorite bands of all time. And like, we got shows like that and like thick as blood, like all this, like yeah. really like almost bro core kind of thing. Yeah. Like the bro uh, hardcore where there's like crews also, and shit. Yeah. But we also yeah. did have like the more like punk hardcore that like I am into and we had a big ska scene here like I've seen wow. mustard away oh, I've seen mustard plug oh my god really skulls, they're from my hometown the, yeah I've seen them all yeah mustard from plugs Tampa, from my hometown so. we yeah, have so I've um, seen some really awesome bands yeah we have the metalcore band do you remember the metalcore band still remains yes yeah they're from my hometown we also have um our big famous one is law dispute Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. love fucking them. They're so, oh my God. In high school, that was my shit. <laughs> it's so funny because when I was in high school, they played local so much. It got to a point where people weren't showing up to their shows anymore. So That's then they so got funny. like really famous on tour and then they came back and now they're like the band. I guess that's kind of like hometown. how it was. I think that uh, our version of that is definitely under oath. Because in the beginning, oh, when yeah. Under Oath, I forget they're from, Under Oath is from Tampa, Tampa. I forget that. Yeah. Yes. And so like, that's basically Under Oath. Like they would play so many shows. Like we would literally know, like my friends were like, yeah, we used to play hockey with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. hockey. like it was like that. They've played so many times that like people still, and then they just became like this huge. And then like Orlando, like a day to remember is from Orlando. Yeah. So I was wondering where a day to remember was from in Florida. Yeah. So like they like all those people like those bands like kind of started at the venues that I used to go to because they it's kind of sad because uh, Tampa actually got rid of a lot of their local music venues like before the pandemic like this happened like a couple of years ago there used mm -hmm. to be a lot of opportunities for local metal bands because it was just like this era of like that's what all the kids were doing like yeah, we all had my spaces and we all went to fucking hardcore shows yep yeah a hundred percent same world yeah a hundred <laughs> yeah I feel that so much um yeah so when did you start playing bass like when did you get into bands um so basically I started playing bass when I was in middle school because I played same, the upright yeah. bass and the electric bass oh, really? I played both yeah so I played in orchestra and then I also started playing um the electric bass on the side um but I started playing the upright bass because I'm also really into psychobilly so I love horror pops oh, and okay. I was like I want to be the <laughs> badass bitch with the bass because I'm That's like so five cool. <laughs> I'm like five two so the idea mm -hmm. of playing like this crazy big instrument just like really like appealed to me and then I started playing the electric bass because I was actually really into like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I loved Flea. oh really I think he's an amazing bassist so like that's kind of like what I started playing bass because of that too um but definitely just like punk music like I've always really like it's so crazy like my music taste I'm very eclectic but like the reason why I started making music was definitely because of like punk music and like mm. shit like that because the bass lines and punk music and also the bass lines and like rockabilly and psychobilly are very like thumpy and I just I love that sound so totally that's so cool yeah yeah, yeah. I played in I started playing in metalcore band I mean before my metalcore bands, I played in a black metal band because I was like super into oh, like, that's Cradle so of Filth. Sick. So, like, I was into Cradle of Filth. 
yeah of course you were of course you were this is what happens you like play in these bands and then we both become bdsm performers that's like the cradle of filth arc of course it is that was like when i was in the cradle of filth i was also heavily into like i was a all it was like a weird time in my life i was into cradle of filth mindless self-indulgence oh yeah combi combi christ and i was also yeah hardcore Juggalette. I don't know where the fuck <laughs> that it was like a monkey wrench like thrown into like oh my god I was like, I was like a goth juggalette, but also oh listened to god. like industrial punk metal. Like when I tell you my music case <laughs> is all over the place. It's all over the place. All over That's the so place. funny. Yeah, I'm from I- Michigan, so we had too many juggalos around. So you're just like, no. And then my black metal band was like um, so I was in a black metal band in high school, so we like wore corpse paint like ripped up bibles on stage but we're all yeah. like 17 Hardcore. we played like the school like talent show <laughs> we ripped up bibles and shit i'm not even gonna <laughs> act and lie to your face and say that i still do i am still like a juggalette i still listen oh, wow. to fucking psychopathic music <laughs> i do i still i still am a juggalette I, i've been 13 i've been down since i was like 13 i don't give a shit <laughs> yeah i'm good on that yeah i went super hard into the lady gaga fandom after like all the metalcore stuff so that's where i went that's so funny i never see like i never really got into gaga i thought her looks like amazing but like i never really got into like i've never really been into like pop like that i guess i'm really into synth pop like i love 80s pop music Mm -hmm. um like my favorite band of all time is depeche mode like that is Mm. my shit Depeche Mode and IMX. I'm a huge IMX and uh, Depeche Mode fan. So like, I really like synthy music. And right now I listen, it's it's so funny because I'm literally like, today it's like, all right, we're going to listen to our our Juggalette music. And then tomorrow <laughs> we're going to listen to Dark Wave and Post Punk. And then we're going to scribble a little like industrial in there. Like I'm all over the place, all over the place with music. Yeah, I got super into Gaga because I was like in metalcore bands and I was... I was also a concert promoter, so I would see all these like metalcore bands and pop punk bands. And after like a year of that, I fucking hated all of it. <laughs> because you see like all these generic metalcore bands day after day after day. Everyone yeah. sounds the same, like all that stuff. And then I saw Lady Gaga and she's like wearing like full latex. And I'm in the Midwest, so I like still don't fully understand this stuff. Yeah. I'm still like figuring out BDSM. And then she's like wearing a strap on for like weeks at a time. I'm just like damn this is very interesting that's so funny because like for me that's how I kind of got like into like 80s music was because like especially Depeche Mode they're very like BDSM like with their outfit like Martin Martin Gore was wearing like full-on chest harnesses and shit and like um and then also uh yeah so like that kind of like era and like I'm a huge like George Michael fan and he's like very was very much like very very, like leather daddy with a dangling earring Mm -hmm. and a denim and a leather jacket and of course like Judas Priest all those kind of like oh my god very much just like all over I'll still fuck with Judas Priest anytime totally totally so because that's where like I guess people like they kind of like as a dom you kind of like develop uh a style almost and the reason why I really like am geared toward like I love 
leather jackets. I love denim. I love just leather gloves. All that is because of that. Like I love George Michael. I love, it's like, I am taking from like, kind of like the leather daddy. And yeah. like, cause I, I just love that. I just love that look. I mm-hmm. love wearing a little hat. Like I'm really into that whole it's thing. So good. Um, yeah. Just cause it makes me feel like that's like what I like to see. So it's like really cool, especially now with like my bright pink hair, it's just like, it's like this bubblegum daddy feel. It's, it's such I a good see. look. Yeah. <laughs> um do you follow reb helford on um instagram i don't think so no you should it's so yeah. good he posts so much gay like related stuff oh my all the God, time i, need to, I I'm yeah like, i haven't like i am so out of the loop on instagram because of like uh you want to talk about shadow band i'm shadow band to shit on there like way oh, really? more than i am on twitter yeah like hardcore i have the same amount of followers on instagram as i have twitter and it's been like that for a long time and like i get like no like a thousand views on like one of my stories is like a good day basically um but yeah so i just don't really like do too much on instagram anymore just because um I uh, use it now more because I'm really big into F1. So I basically just oh, use yeah. it to like, I, I watch drivers that. and um, shit. I'm, I was yeah, actually going to, I was wondering <laughs> if you were going to bring that up. Yeah, I grew up on F1, like really hardcore growing up. Oh, um, me, like during um, the Michael Schumacher era. Like, oh my, see, yeah. um, my, uh, my boyfriend uh, now who, who I'm with, uh, he's the one that really, I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, I loved F1 for forever. Oh, you're, you're no, good. Like, I'm, like I'm very glad to talk about this. My boyfriend really, really got me into F1 because it's a passion for him. And mm-hmm. like, it's, but it's one of those things that he introduced me to. And like, I really, la- it, I latched on and like, to the point where like, now I like, I there's been times where he hasn't been able to watch races and I still like I like I mean but we're we watch YouTube videos we're like we like about like um just like uh I've always been into motorsports though like I grew Mm -hmm. up around like my not only was my family like uh sex workers they were also bikers and oh really my grandfather was like an old school car mechanic so like he had like uh crazy tricked out like sick uh like cars and uh like Maseratis and shit like that so he was always really into that and kind of like put that down on me too so I don't know how I didn't come across F1 sooner on my own but once I did like we are I mean I have McLaren hats for days like I'm very (laughs) much like it's all I talk about it's all like I see you both about so much I'm like that's so cool um (laughs) I mean the reason you probably weren't into it is probably because we're in America yeah no that's exactly what it is because it doesn't get the same exposure not at all um not at all so definitely like but yeah my but yeah now my twitter says like it's an f1 fan page as like a joke because that's all like it's just become like something i'm really passionate about because i was always an artsy fartsy kid i never Mm -hmm. got into sports ever ever i wasn't ever into sports so now to like finally be like i get it like i get like watching like and there's just something about it too because with f1 there's so much drama so much drama so much politics so much like it's juicy like it's almost Mm -hmm. like and like with drive to survive like the reality show like i still haven't watched it yet it you 
you need to because it's like it's like reality it's like desperate housewives but for f1 basically mm-hmm. like just like the drama <laughs> and like the um but yeah it's really it's it's an awesome sport and yeah so I'm really thankful it's also great to have something like that me and you know like my partner my boyfriend like have something to share together that mm-hmm. like we're just super it's what we do on the weekends it's like you know something that we really enjoy and share together we also play like racing simulators like we're just oh. Oh, really cool. into like cars in general so yeah i i'm like definitely into racing simulators i grew up um racing go-karts and stuff that's so yeah see, we wanna, there's like a league that you can join in in like down the street from my house but you have to like make a qualifying time basically so me and my boyfriend last night in bed we were really stoned and we were watching we were like we're gonna do it we're gonna fucking do it we're gonna join this team and we're like this is is it um k1 speed I don't see like I like didn't he like knows all the details oh, okay. like, I did it like he was the he's the one that was like I really and I was like no I want to do it too like I'm going for it and like so I don't know it would it's it'll be really fun though I'm excited because it's a nice little like hobby so yeah it's really fun I did it um I think I did the one by me they do like monthly races that are like the competitive mm-hmm. ones and I did I think three or four and then one time I like went to a corner and this kid probably like 12 hit me at like 40 miles per hour. I was sore for like a week after. And then I'm oh like, my God. maybe I need to not risk yeah. my like doing sex work and then being like, I'm injured from go-kart racing. This was like two years ago. And I'm just like, maybe I shouldn't do this, but yeah, it's really we'll, fun. I guess we'll see. Um, I hope that I don't get like, God, that would, would be very embarrassing being like, sorry guys, I can't work because I got in a go-kart crash. Like, what the fuck? I don't think I missed any work, but it was definitely like just being sore for days and being like, yeah, definitely a little bit of drama because when you're doing that, there's like all like the interpersonal stuff and then they'll like try to talk to you about it. I'm like, I don't want to talk to you 12 year old (laughs) child. Like you just (laughs) ran into me. I'm fine. I don't want to talk to you. Like... I'm gonna go home I'm an adult that just likes to go kart leave me alone I know yeah and I'm like (laughs) of course the only girl doing it and it's just like of course too oh yeah of course I yeah, thought about that so. too. I was like, am I going to be the only, I'll probably be the only, I hope I'm not the only girl. You I hope I don't. Be. It's okay. Yeah. I hope I'm not the only, and it's not even just like, I'm like the average girl. It's just like, no, I'm the bright pink haired covered in tattoo girl that wants to join the race, the racing yeah. team. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. Um, you haven't gone since the pandemic, but it's really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was doing that when I was like 13 or 14, like Arizona too. And that's when it's the same center I go to it's called k1 um now oh, it's cool. all electric but it used to be gas there's probably one in Tampa I'm sure there is mm-hmm. yeah it's a cool th- experience because you can just go and drive against random people on random days so That's like so if awesome. you're pretty good you can be against like eight dudes and like beat their ass and then they're like why did this girl beat me and like act all confused see I got like a little confident because we went to like the Andretti racing uh, oh like, wow yeah they had like an Andretti like racing and we did the go-karts there like for our birthday that was like our birthday trip as we yeah. wanted to do that and like I was against like a lot of P- and I got like p3 and I was like okay I That's think terrific. I can do that I was like all right 
go off. Let's try to pursue this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you're ever in here, we're in the same city. Let's go to a go-kart track. I'm I am totally down for that girl. Let's yeah, do it. hundred <laughs> percent. There's like not many people I can talk into that. So. I am so down to do that. For yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I my dad was super into F1. He wanted to name me after AR and Senna. Um he AR and Senna died like the year before I was born. Yeah. So no, that was my dad's yeah. favorite driver. So oh my yeah, God. my dad was super into that. Um I grew up being super into F1. I just remember my dad waking up at like 6 a.m. for like F1 qualifying and yep. um, races because they're all in Europe. So when yeah. I was on the East Coast, but now it's like on the West Coast, it's just so far. Like it's waking up at 4 a.m. It's just like, I'm yeah. not going to do that. No, so. my literally my boyfriend has an alarm set for when yeah, it's time to. for qualifying. Like literally it's <laughs> like, oh, I'm up. And then like, I have, I have like friends and like followers are on Twitter that are like, we're not going on your fucking Twitter feed. You're going to, you post too many spoilers. None of us are up at this time. Like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I was really into it during like Schumacher's entire run. And then I think I like missed a season. It used to be on, I think it was called Speed Channel mm -hmm. back in the day. And then it was like completely new teams. And I'm like, who's mm -hmm. Lewis Hamilton? Why is he winning oh, everything? Yeah. Yeah. That was like right and in the beginning of like, his thing. And I was just like, now he's whatever. like the F1 god. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think the last full season I watched was when Kimi Reckonen was at Ferrari. And I think Fernando Alonso was there too. Okay, so See, it's I been a minute. Cannot stand Fernando Alonso. I think he's an arrogant son of a bitch. Like just the way that he talks to like the pit crew and just like he's just got like this sense of entitlement. And it's like, calm down. You won two world championships like forever ago. Like take several seats, sir. Like <laughs> he's just very like that. Like because I really get into like listening to like the radio and stuff and just mm -hmm. like he's super dis it's one thing to like be in the moment and be like fuck you know what I'm saying but he's like yeah. super disrespectful and I just don't like I'm not into that like I'm not into it I really don't like his attitude so I'm just like but Kimi Raikkonen is so hilarious have you ever seen the footage of when he crashed out in the race I can't remember what it was but he literally walked to his yacht and just oh yeah yeah that was at Monaco yeah yes. yeah I remember that <laughs> That's what such an excellent shit. What a fucking power move. Like, I'm done with this. I'm going to go on the yacht. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember because the camera like followed him from his car and they're like, oh, it's a long way back to the paddock. And then they just like follow him and they're like, oh, he's on his boat now. <laughs> it's just like, oh, all right. He's on the boat starting to drink now. He's done. Yeah. And I just think, I think he's hilarious. Like, interviews that I've heard of him. Like, he's just funny. He is just funny. I'm a really big, like, now with F1, I'm huge. Like I said, I'm a really big McLaren fan. I love, love Lando Norris. I think he's precious. Mm -hmm. um, and he just also just, like, I just am really into, like, the wholesome. Like, he's a little Twitch streamer. And, like, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? It's just very wholesome. And, like, I love Lewis Hamilton, especially because he just, he really uses himself and his, um, you know, his fame for good. Like he very is like, you know, really getting into like creating more opportunities because F1 yeah. is a very expensive sport to get Extremely. into. So like just creating opportunities for people from different backgrounds that normally wouldn't have these opportunities. Like he's working on the Lewis Hamilton Foundation, which I think is really amazing. I mean, it kind of goes back to what, what we were talking about with sex work, where it's like, yeah. for some people, it's a way out. And for him, it definitely was. Like if you hear his yeah. family story, they were broke. 
spending yeah. any money they have to to essentially invest in his racing career and now he's arguably one of the best crazy. F1 drivers ever I think it's amazing like there is actually so many stories like that within F1 of like these families that literally like sacrifice so much for their mm -hmm. children at like a really young age to like pursue the sport and like it makes it close so close-knit and it's so beautiful to watch like all these families like at the races and like mm -hmm. all excited because it's like wow like I couldn't imagine like being a parent having done all those sacrifices for your kid and like seeing them go succeed like that like that must be such just like a uh, heartwarming yeah. just like you know definitely um yeah I'm really happy we got to talk to F1 for a second I don't care if people have anything to care about it I don't care this I is staying in like, I don't <laughs> I do not care. I, I it should be very clear on social media how I feel about if people say something. It's crazy. It's actually like it's actually my fans love that I love F1 because I mm -hmm. have a lot of friends from Europe. So they just like they're like, oh my God, uh, oh you're not wait watching the race yet. Guess I gotta wait to talk about it with you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's really cool. Yeah, I feel like it's just also just becoming so much bigger in the United States than it was mm -hmm. like when I was growing up nobody knew anything about it well because like... we're getting we're finally getting um well because you know they had Texas and now we're gonna get yeah. Miami in 2022 which I don't care if I have to sell everything in yeah, my I'm sure home, you're gonna I'm be there I already know that before I even <laughs> talk to you today I'm like you're gonna find a way to be there <laughs> I'm gonna and not just be there I want like the experience like I don't want if I'm gonna go like it's gonna be all out, because it's <laughs> it's disgusting like how much they charge for like oh, of course. experience everything it's, is it's literally yeah. like to like be with the drivers see the cars it's some of these teams charge between eight to ten thousand dollars for of like course, yeah. it, it, it's I mean, just it's not f1 like, is such a whole different level because like, it's of not just like, money you know, it's, it's not like Mercedes and Ashton Martin have enough money or anything, right? Like they're really struggling. <laughs> yeah. I was actually, um, maybe it was because I knew this was going to come up. I was actually watching a F1 comparison with IndyCar because I watch a lot of IndyCar just because it's very yeah. accessible in this country. Yeah, for um, sure. It's just kind of all around, just like yeah. the amount of money to get a paddock pass is like $15,000 where if you it's go to insane. an IndyCar race, it's like a hundred dollars. <laughs> Well, that's like, um, we literally went to the race in St. Petersburg, me mm. and my boyfriend, and we literally were this close to Roman Grozhov, like this close. And had that been an F1 thing, we would have, I think we spent like $60 on the tickets in total. And like, I was like, okay, I just, this is probably the cheapest amount I'm ever going to have to pay to be this close to an F1 driver. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they have quite a few now. It seems like it's really kind of becoming the trend. I mean, mm -hmm. I think Montoya is still running there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know Fernando Alonso is occasionally doing stuff. Yeah. So I think it's interesting how that whole thing has changed because it seemed like when I was so into it, it was so rare to ever even think about anyone from F1 coming to the United States and racing in a series here. For sure. So it's super exciting. It's an exciting time for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> um you've shot like kind of all over. It sounds like you like you've gone to LA, you've gone to new England to shoot with intersects. Where's your favorite place to shoot overall? Is um, it shooting, um, home in Tampa. Uh, definitely. Definitely. Because like, I, um, uh, I have to switch for a second. Cause my phone is about to die. So I'm going to plug okay. in. 
So my <laughs> microphone might have like <laughs> seem a little different. You're, you're um, all good. I'm only gonna take up like more 15 more minutes of your time. So okay, no, no, no worries at all. I'm really enjoying this. Um, yeah, likewise. So my favorite area to shoot is definitely like my hometown, just because like I rent out like my own studio space and it's like right down the street from wow, my house. So, so it's nice. just very convenient for me to like I really love like the separation also of like you know, not working in my house and like mm -hmm. having somewhere to go where like, it's just really like, okay, I can just do my thing and then come home. Like it kind of creates that, like getting out into the world experience, even though it's down the street. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, living in the Bay area, it's just so wild because it's like, if you have an extra room to shoot in, that's viewed as such a luxury where I'm like so much the rest of the country. It's like, oh yeah, you, we have a studio space. It's separate yeah. and you can actually do that. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really funny though. Cause like my studio space is literally like in a residential, um, neighborhood basically. Oh, really? Um, so yeah, but it's kind of like hiding in plain sight almost. Um, but it's really cool. Like I have neighbors on one side that are totally cool. And then I have the neighbors on the other side that have literally called the cops on me like three or four times. Really? Just yeah, over like you're shooting porn? It's not even, it's so crazy because it's not even like, I think one was like a tickling shoe. The <laughs> other was like a fucking, like there was girls outside in bikinis and they were putting each other up on their shoulders. Like really like, I hate to say it was like the fact that the wife next door just was not down with like all these young women, like coming mm -hmm. in and out and like her husband, like, you know, being like craning his fucking neck every day. <laughs> But it definitely was that. And it's really fucked up because one time she called the cops and how she got the cops over so quickly is she lied and said, I think that there's underage children there. And knowing what full well that there is not, but that's how I literally had six cops at my front door. And I was like, that is not fucking happening. I said, that nope. is not. And, and I literally see the lady outside and I'm just like glaring at her. Like, <laughs> you are disgusting. Like, how could you do like, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. Like, that's like horrible. a real fucked up thing to say. Also just like, I feel like that should be like almost falsifying a police report. It is like, seriously and she and like and I remember like I'm staring outside and I'm like listening kind of and she's just like oh well like I didn't know it sounded like it could have been it's like no bitch you saw the girl that like walked in here she was an adult you just got again mad and yeah mm -hmm. so and they literally sat outside of the studio for at least like an hour and a half just to make sure that it that's wasn't what was taking place. Yeah. So like ever since then, like me, I like give her the fucking death glare every time I see her outside. I'm like, <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> that's so fucked up. I don't think I've ever had any people ever realize I'm shooting porn places. Which yeah. Is really good. Just like I feel like most people are slow, so oblivious. I've even mm -hmm. had neighbors I shared walls with where I'm like cam in there and then I'm and they're like oh what do you do I'm like oh I cam and they're like oh like where do you do that I'm like here and they're like really <laughs> just no idea yeah no uh yeah so like I'm I'm lucky and I think it's really awesome like I said having that separate space it is really cool mm -hmm. um yeah I'm actually gonna redecorate it here soon because it's just been the same like blue walls and white furniture for about like almost two years now and I'm just I'm so over it, it needs to be redone 
it's so, so I'm cool actually you have a space t- though that you can change up like that yeah for sure because um the owner of the house is actually one of my really good friends and he's also a producer so like I can literally do whatever the fuck I want there like whatever I want like I don't have to worry about the landlord like knowing what's going on like I can design it however I want I can like have models in and out so it's really it's really awesome that's so rad so I have one more question for you thank you so yeah, much for talking I feel like yeah. we've covered so much like BDSM F1 <laughs> like softcore BDSM pod. real hardcore BDSM everything so um if you could magically change one thing in porn that tomorrow would be completely different what would it be oh my god this is a really fucking hard question I don't mean to get like I don't know. I don't mean to get like, you know, all like about like what's currently going on, but I would just really like, I guess not, it's not even like really within porn. I guess I would just like really like to see in general, just like living the dream of porn, just not being so stigmatized. Like I just would like to have more job security. Like I have job security, but I would like to know that like it's solidified and just, yeah, I would just really like also I I guess in a way it kind of is like where I wanted it to be because when I first started I wanted performers to kind of have the power and Mm -hmm. kind of take away from like not take away from the companies but you know make their own money and like realize that you can do it on yourself and see Mm -hmm. so like it really is like blossoming into that and just I just would honestly also like to just see like for porn like just the people that especially with like the OnlyFans thing, like we literally built this fucking platform and then all these influencers started using it. And like, it's so crazy. Like these people are making millions of dollars, but when this OnlyFans thing shit went down, they were like, oh, well, I'm okay. Cause I'm not showing my asshole. I'm yeah, because you're overpriced on... bikini pictures. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, like Disney but, channel people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just like the, the people that like have, And also like within porn, I feel like there's still just sex work in general. There is a Mm -hmm. lot of uh, stigma against other forms of sex workers with the whole uh, wave of, you know, OnlyFans creators is like, I saw like the other day, like an OnlyFans creator say like, well, I'm not making porn because I'm, I'm doing Findom or I'm not making porn because (laughs) I'm not a sex worker because X, Y, and Z. And it's just like, yes you are like you are though there's no you're you're too new to realize it yeah and just like the stigma still against like full service sex workers Mm -hmm. and just like I feel like we've come a long way but I would just like to see more unity of being like we are all under the same umbrella you're no better than anybody no matter what your fucking percentage is or whatever like we are all under the same umbrella for real we need to like treat each other good like I just also would just like to see like can we just like all just be a little bit nicer to each other and like realize that there's enough money out there for everybody and just like you know this competition and like you know all this bullshit sometimes it just like it bums me out like people just like talking shit and like just stay in your own backyard, make your money. And like, let's just keep moving along and just more unity. Like I said, I don't mean to sound like a fucking old school hippie, but just like no, more unity I feel and you. acceptance of, you know, everybody. Like, I think we need to care. We need to care about full service sex workers and mm-hmm. trans, trans women and trans men. And, you know, just 
the queer community and like everybody like yeah I just yeah feel like we've come a long way but like I said there's still like I think one of the most beautiful things that I've seen is really just like specifically for like crossover performers it used to be like really really hard and they still deal with a lot of mm -hmm. stigma and stuff but like now it's like there's more options there's yeah, more like it's more it's normalized becoming, yeah it's more normalized and just like also like for so long and there still is like this stigma of like working with trans performers and like yeah, all this and like your agent it was definitely a lot more before work with trans performers yeah. and stuff or, like, like that. performers of color like that was another thing too exactly. where girls are like well exactly. i can't shoot with this guy because he's black because then that's gonna lower my rate in the future it it's just so, like fucked, yeah. so fucked up it was just so gross because like i you know i did go out there and it was still very much like my agent was trying to tell me well, no, you can't do that because you need to wait to get your uh, IR rate. And I was like, what the fuck is an IR? Like what? It, yeah. I'm sorry. Is it a penis? It's the same thing as like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like yeah. I'm taking a dick. Like it doesn't matter. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. So I like that, you know, that is slowly but surely, like I said, like, I feel like we've made a lot of strides in the right mm -hmm. direction, but we still have a long way to go. And also, again, with like the stigma against, you know, I don't mean to get in anybody's personal politics, but the stigma of our performers that, you know, are, are HIV positive and yeah. things like that. And, you know, educating yourself and realizing that, you know, this is why there's prep and all these other things and yeah. just like. So I think, yeah. yeah, I think that's a very good answer. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm going to wrap it up now. Is um, where of can people course. find you? Yeah. Okay. You? So <laughs> you can find me actually my whole landing page right now is going to be yesmissrober.com. That's literally where you can find all my social media links and everything. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at Raquel Roper XX. And my Instagram is the same at Raquel Roper XX. And you're wanna, gonna wanna follow, especially if you're into lesbian domination, because like I said, I'm launching my membership site soon. So that's really exciting. And yeah, thank you so much. It was so awesome. Thank you. To talk to you. I was really much looking forward to this.